Welcome to Gav Session. My name is Gavin Foster, and I am a K-8 music teacher from Ontario, Canada. I love music, I love technology, I love my job, and I love sharing my successes and my learning. Check it out, and thanks for listening. Hello, everybody. Uh, yeah, so this is going to be my first podcast. Uh, I'd like to give a shout out to Sarah Lalonde. Uh, she has a podcast called uh, Que Sera Sera, which you can find in all the usual venues. Uh, and I was in a workshop session with her where she talked about how easy it was to uh, to create your own podcast. And so uh, I guess you could say she uh, is the impetus behind this. She inspired me to start my own podcast. So um, welcome to Gav's session. As I said uh, before, I am a father. I am an educator. I am a musician. Uh, I am an enthusiast of all things uh, comic book and superhero. And uh, yeah, I'm into a lot of different stuff that I really enjoy. So um, you might be wondering, just because this is a uh, an educational podcast, why I started out by saying that uh, I'm a father first. And I think... Uh, uh, I think my wife was really happy when I said that on my, uh, my website, but, um, I think it has to do with the fact that, uh, I have three children and it doesn't seem to matter what is new in my life or what's going on. But, um, but if I am away from home for whatever reason, I tend to, um, to come back early. Cause I just, I love spending time with my kids. Uh, one of my coworkers said to me that, uh, I really needed to, uh, enjoy this time while it lasted because it was fleeting and I would never get this time back with my family. And so just the other week I was uh, presenting at a conference and I was a few hours away and I was supposed to stay there uh, all day Friday and all day Saturday and come back Sunday. And I ended up uh, getting up Saturday morning and coming back because I just realized that uh, that'd be a whole day of fun with my kids I was going to miss. So yeah, I'm a father first. Um, but I am an educator. Uh, I teach, uh, kindergarten through eighth grade music. So that's like uh, four-year-olds to 14-year-olds. Uh, and I teach uh, all kinds of different types of music. So my primary kids do a lot of singing and uh, body percussion with clapping and stuff like that. <clears throat> my uh, kind of middle, middle-aged kids, the kids that go from like fourth grade to sixth grade. So that's like your 10-year-olds to 12, 13-year-olds. We have a, a pretty active recorder program called Recorder Ninjas. And we do some uh, drumming and some percussion stuff. And then my uh, intermediate students uh, traditionally have always gone into band instruments. And at our school, we have uh, flute, clarinet, alto sax, tenor sax, trumpet, trombone, uh, euphonium, baritone, and uh, percussion. So that's kind of how, uh, how my school has worked. I've been at the same school in Belleville, Ontario for about 10 years. Uh, before that, I worked in uh, at a private school in uh, in Quebec I worked uh, in the eastern townships of Quebec outside of Montreal there I taught uh, grade 7 through grade 12 music uh, and prior to that uh, my wife and I were teaching in South America we were teaching in Quito Ecuador where we were for uh, for three years teaching at an international school down there uh, and there I taught uh, elementary school and high school music and uh, for one year I took on kind of a uh, a supervisory role. It's kind of like a mini vice principal position. We were called the uh, coordinator of music, where uh, I worked with uh, everybody from pre-kinder, which is like two and a half, three-year-olds, 
uh, all the way up to where music ended at this school, which was the end of grade 10. So yeah, I've been around a lot of different types of education. I've been teaching uh, all told for about 15, 16 years. And uh, I've always tried really hard to, uh, to be a music teacher. There was a couple of times in my career where they've asked me to take on some other responsibilities. I remember one year they asked me to, uh, to teach a, a class of grade fours. And I taught them from uh, December until June. And, uh, and then a couple of years later, they asked me to take on uh, a class of grade eights, a set seven and eights. And uh, I did that for a whole year. And uh, I, I really wasn't very good at it. Um, I guess you could say my, my passion, my reason for teaching, the, uh, the, the thing that I do best is, is this. And what we call now uh, in Ontario, we just simply call it rotary teachers. So uh, I do a lot of music, but I'm also uh, this year doing some drama and uh, some dance. And uh, I teach a health class this year. Um, but basically, yeah, my focus is on the arts and my focus is on bringing the arts, uh, to kids. Um, I'm at a large school where about 650 kids. So I see virtually everybody, uh, in the course of my week. And that's the way I like it. Um, some of my colleagues give me strange looks when I tell them that I have, uh, 600 report cards to write at report card time. But, uh, I, I don't think I'd have it any other way. This is what I do best. This is the craft that I have honed and uh, I'm really, really proud of what my program has become over the last 10 years. And I'm really, really proud of, uh, of the kids that have been there and kind of what we, what we do. So the, uh, the third part of my title here is, uh, is musician. And, uh, I like to consider myself a musician. I'm not, I'm not uh, an avid performer, but uh, I started playing music uh, at a very young age. I was in grade one or two. Uh, I started with singing, and uh, uh, in about grade four, I started to learn the clarinet. Before that, I had taken some piano lessons. Uh, in high school, I switched to being the bass clarinetist at my high school. Um, and I have been involved, yeah, in uh, dance bands and jazz bands. Uh, I've been a singer my whole life. I've been involved in musical theater, uh, in stage productions. Uh, in high school, I was a member of uh, three or four different types of choirs, a jazz choir, an all-male choir, a, a concert choir, a chamber choir. Uh, and then um, when it was time to go to university, I, uh, I started with a, an English degree and uh, and knew I had to kind of keep music as part of my life. So I joined a, a choir in university. And uh, one of the members from the choir came to me and said, hey, we, we need some, uh, some males, some male singers to be part of an opera that we're doing. I was a little self-conscious, being that I wasn't a music student. But I, I went and I auditioned and uh, they took me and I was part of the uh, Queen's Student Opera for a few years. And while I was there, it was the people I met in the opera that really encouraged me to, uh, to go over to the music department and try to switch majors. And so after a year and some auditioning, I started a dual degree program. I maintained my English degree, but I also started to get a Bachelor of Music. And I studied voice with uh, a really accomplished male uh, operatic baritone singer from Canada named Bruce Kelly. He trained me for two or three years. 
and it was while I was working with Bruce and while I was at Queens that I discovered music education. And I took several music education classes and worked with a few different professors at Queens. And there was a whole group of us students who really wanted to go off and become the next generation of music teachers. And that's where it all started for me. While I was at university, I did a little bit of composing and I have some song cycles that you can see from my website, some unfinished musical compositional ideas that I started with. And other than that, my compositions have all been education related. So if you go through my, uh, my webpage, gavsession.com, G-A-V-S-E-S-S-I-O-N, if you go to the musicianship section, you'll see a lot of the things I've written are soprano alto arrangements for young vocal um, students and things like that. I've only recently gotten back into performing. In the last year, I personally have done a couple of concerts uh, that have been in support of a Canadian musician named Gord Downey, who just before he passed away from cancer, he had released an album called The Secret Path, which was the story of a Aboriginal Anishinaabe boy from Northern Canada who attended a Canadian residential school and died running away from the school. Something about that story really grabbed a hold of me when I heard it a few years ago. And after Gord died, I really had kind of an obsession with the album and started figuring that maybe as a music teacher and as a musician and as someone who is very quick to pick up a guitar and play for my students, maybe I should kind of put my money where my mouth is and get up and try to raise some money for uh, somebody who somebody else who needs it. So I put on a couple of Secret Path concerts where I found a way in my basement to recreate this 10 song album that uh, is recorded with six musicians. I found a way to do it solo. So I've done a couple of concerts this year trying to promote uh, indigenous rights or Aboriginal rights in Canada. And I've tried to raise some money for the Gord Downey and Chenny Wenjack fund. And I'm happy to say that my two concerts have brought in almost a thousand dollars. And I'm really excited that uh, I have the ability to convince people that this is a worthwhile endeavor and that when I get up on stage, people aren't throwing stuff at me, which is fantastic. And the last part of my title is computers and technology. This is a part that again, is fairly recent to me, um, or at least is recent to me in terms of showing it to other people. If you read my, uh, my biography, it says that computers have been a hobby of my life since I was six. And when I was about six or seven years old, I managed to break my family computer uh, three times inside of three months. And after spending a few hundred dollars, my dad sat me down and told me I had two options. And the options were never, ever touch the computer ever again for the rest of my life or figure out really quickly how to fix whatever it is I broke because he was not getting anything fixed ever again. So from the age of seven, I've been really into technology and into computers. And that's kind of paid off throughout my life. So I can remember being a kid of eight or nine years old and my brother and sister waking me up out of a dead sleep to say, uh, I've got this project due tomorrow and I don't know how to bold something or can you make this so it fits on one page? And I remember 
being dragged out of bed half asleep and crawling down to my family's computer in the basement, hitting a few keys so my brother and sister's reports would look good. And they'd kind of, you know, pat me on my head and send me back to bed. And then that kind of spiraled into, I remember being called out of class in grade two or three down to the library, which was the one room in the school where we had a computer back in the, uh, the early eighties. And I remember the librarians having a whole class there and calling me down to show her how to put the Grolier Encyclopedia CD into the Apple computer so that they could pull the encyclopedia up. Um, and yeah, throughout the rest of my life, I've just always been the guy that people call to fix their computers. And when we were in South America and we were in university, my rule was very simple. And that was, if you give me uh, some free food and perhaps a free beer, I'll fix your computer however long it takes. And so myself and later on me and my wife were thrilled by the fact that uh, I was often paid with a lot of free meals to go and de-virus people's computers or they just got a new one and they needed everything reinstalled or they'd accidentally clicked a button and rearranged their whole spreadsheet in a way that they couldn't read it anymore. So computers have been a hobby of mine for a long time. Uh, I've sort of fallen into de facto computer person at my school, which basically means for any kind of assembly or any presentation, I will frequently get knocks on my door from students or teachers like, hey, can, I, can you come into my room for two seconds and I'll watch your class so you can just get this working for my kids? Uh, and I, I've always loved that. It's just something that it's not something that I wanted to spend my life doing, but it's something I've always been good at and something I've always enjoyed. And about a year ago, I was at a Google summit here in Ontario and there was a, a lull in the, in the summit where I, I didn't have a session I particularly wanted to attend. And I sat down and spoke with one of the people organizing it. And they were talking to me about the Google certified educator and Google certified trainer program. And I, I said, Oh, this seems like something I'm not sure I'm interested in. It seems kind of like you're, I don't know. I couldn't really understand why I didn't want to do it. I guess maybe it's, as I said, computers were never something I focused on. It's just something that I, I did in the background. And uh, this man named Jeff convinced me. He said, no, you should go and you should get your Google trainers and you should, uh, you should get your part one and your part two and submit all your stuff to be a certified Google trainer. And he talked to me about the process and he said, if I'm nervous, there's all kinds of classes I can take. And so I said, okay, well, maybe I'll start down the road to be a trainer. And I sat down a couple of days later and realized I had to go through some pre-testing. So I asked my wife one night, I said, it's going to take me about two and a half or three hours. Are you okay if I go downstairs and attempt this level one test and see how I do? And she's like, no, go ahead. So I went downstairs and I tried the level one test and I passed right off the bat without any kind of training or anything. I said, oh, that's kind of cool. And I printed off my... Uh, my certificate and I put it in my portfolio and I put one up in my classroom. I was all proud of myself. And then I started doing some research online of people who were doing the level two test and everyone was saying, Oh, this one's much harder. And I failed the first two times and you have to wait a few months in between. And I was like, Ooh, okay, this is a pretty big deal. And I said, you know what though? I'm going to take the second test. And that way, if I don't pass it, I know I've got a couple of months to train before I do it again. And it kind of bides me some time. So it was about, I don't know, maybe 48 hours after I took the first test, I said to my wife, I said, can I go downstairs and do the second test? 
And she said, uh, are you sure you don't want to like study or even look online at what it is? I'm like, no, I'm going to just try it and see how close I get to passing. And then I'll know what I have to work on. So I went downstairs and a couple hours later, I was a level two certified educator and I was thrilled. I was, I was amazed. I couldn't believe that this, uh, this was as easy as it was for me and that I could get through and do some of these tasks. Um, and I could also figure out on the fly stuff I'd never done before. And they asked me, you know, to create um, pivot tables and stuff that I'd never done before. And I was quickly able to figure it out on the fly enough that I could complete the timed test and, and get my certification. So I was really excited about that. And I started putting stuff on Twitter saying how excited I was that I was a level two certified educator. And one of my uh, friends from Toronto, she had sent me a tweet and she goes, do it, man, go for your, go for your trainers, go for it. And so there was a third kind of small test for trainers where you had to just sort of prove a little bit of proficiency. And so I remember telling my wife again, it had been about 24 hours. I said, I'm going to go try a third test. And she just laughed. And she said, you're not going to like, this is your luck's coming out eventually. And I went downstairs and uh, I had planned to be downstairs for about three hours to do the test. I didn't realize this um, certified trainers test is just kind of a, a short check-in. So I remember I materialized back upstairs in about 25 minutes and my wife said, Oh, you failed already. And I said, no, this was a, a really short test and I passed it too. And so my wife goes, is that it? Are you a trainer? I said, no, I have to, submit a video of why I want to be a trainer and create um, like a portfolio of why I think this is important and send it in. And then they, they kind of vet all those and get back to you. And yeah, it was within inside of a week that I got my level one, my level two and my, my trainers certificates. And then a couple of days after that, I sent in my video and a few months later I heard back from Google saying, congratulations, you are officially a certified trainer. So I've been, really excited about that the last year and I've started doing a lot of presenting at Google summits. I do some work for EdTech Canada. I go to a lot of their summits and present for them. Last year I presented at the Ontario librarians conference. Uh, this year I went to the music educators association conference and I've been invited to a couple of different places uh, around the province. I've been invited uh, way down to Windsor, Ontario, which is down by Detroit to do a workshop there coming up in the next few months. Uh, and I've, I've just been really excited about it. And I find that when I present technology things, it, it, it's always kind of a shock to me how appreciative people seem to be because it, it was never something that I thought was anything more than incidental help to people who just kind of couldn't be bothered figuring it out themselves. It was easier to just ask me because I knew the answer. But now when I present uh, ideas such as classroom flipping or when I present uh, how to automate tasks in your life using some of the programs that I use, uh, I, I get a lot of real gratitude from people and that, that makes me feel really happy. So yeah, that's me. I'm a father, I'm an educator, I'm a musician, and I'm a computer technology guy. So as I said earlier, this is my Jean Valjean episode. This is simply where uh, I, I announce who am I and I tell you who this person is who's venturing on this podcast. Um, my second podcast, which will be recorded probably later on today, uh, I'm going to talk about 
really the, the meat and potatoes of this podcast. And the reason I'm doing it now, the reason I'm choosing to do this podcast is because uh, I have been inspired by uh, a person I saw speak uh, a month ago to completely change potentially the way I teach every class that I will ever teach in music ever. And uh, I'm piloting it right now. I've got two classes who are doing this pilot project with me and I think I want to document it and see how we see how we do. Um, so on my next podcast, I'm going to be talking about this project, talking about uh, the students involved and what's going to be involved in our project. And I'm hopefully going to lay out some of my goals and some of my dreams. And I'm going to try to keep this up weekly or, or every so often to let you know uh, how these kids are doing with this great, grand new idea. And I thought it best to let you know that if I'm going to be talking about children and students in a class and a music classroom and using technology, that you kind of understand where I'm coming from. And so if you're interested in checking out more Gav sessions, by all means, uh, subscribe to this podcast. And thank you so much for listening. I will be back in episode two. Hey everybody, thanks for checking out this week's Gav Session. If you liked what you heard, be sure to check out all of my podcasts available from the Anchor app or from Anchor FM. Anybody can make a podcast in just a few minutes from Anchor FM. If you like what you heard today, please check out the rest of my online personality. You can message me on Twitter at GavSession or check me out at GavSession.com or YouTube.com slash GavSession. Thanks for stopping by.